Team, welcome to the Freedom Hut. We've got how the migrant scam at our southern border is actually playing out. Some footage of the January 6th insurrection comes out that doesn't look at all like an insurrection. You have Hunter Biden's artwork for sale and climate night comedy stuff going on. And no surprise, it was not funny at all. Plus, uh, homicides rose, big star on this, by 30 percent in 2020 30 percent rise in homicides and they're trying to come up with all these complicated reasons how could it have been that we have a 30 percent bump in one year the most since they have been recording them at the national level since 1960 so we're going on in 70 years in 2020 we had the biggest rise in homicides we have ever seen And we are supposed to believe that that is because of what exactly? Well, we all know what it's really from. Anyway, we'll get into that in a moment. Born from the tragedy of 9-11, the Tunnel to Towers Foundation carries forward a legacy of courage and heroism. To mark 20 years, Tunnel to Towers is gifting America's heroes and their families with 200 mortgage-free homes. To honor the fallen, Chairman and CEO Frank Siller walks more than 500 miles through six states in 42 days. From the Pentagon to Shanksville, culminating at Ground Zero on 9-11. Towers of Light returned to the Pentagon and Shanksville memorials in remembrance. For the first time, those we lost to 9-11-related illness are being honored at a ceremony on September 12th. And on Veterans Day, another first, the soldiers we lost the war on terror are having their names read aloud. The words never forget require action. Do good and take action now. Donate $11 a month at T2T.org. That's T, the number 2, T.org. So they told us that the migrants at the southern border would not be let into the U.S., that a lot of them would be deported. We've heard about this. And you've been unable to see a lot of data on this because the media doesn't want to give you the data. The numbers don't lie. They can lie about the numbers, but the numbers don't lie. You know, scoreboard don't lie. Numbers don't lie. Well, here's what we know about the Del Rio Bridge crossing as of uh, 6 a.m., Today, Eastern Time, 6,722 migrants, 4,742 family units. This is all from Bill Malugin of uh, Fox News, Fox LA. He's doing great work down there. 1,489 single adult men, 418 single adult females, 40, uh, 73 family groups, and 300 plus pregnant women. Now, let's do this in reverse order. Why would pregnant women be living in what is essentially a makeshift refugee camp on the U.S.-Mexico border? That's not a place where if you were seven or eight, by the way, most of these women are visibly pregnant, quite pregnant, seven or eight months pregnant. Why would you do that? Oh, because you know that you will be let into the United States under the medical exceptions that exist. And then you will have a child in the U.S. who will automatically, because of birthright citizenship, which basically no other country in the world has, uh, automatically be a U.S. citizen. And then there will be a permanent tether to the United States for that individual, for that mother. And the chance of deportation will go from about, you know, 0.5 percent to zero percent very quickly. This is all intentional. This is all plotted. People are figuring out how do I get around the actual immigration system as it is. 
I don't want to apply. I don't want to go through the hoops. I don't want to go through the uh, the hurdles. So this is one way to do it. 4,742 family units. Family units are overwhelmingly likely, as long as they pass a credible fear test, to be let into the United States. That's what's going on. They will not. Remember, they cannot separate families. And so if one individual claims credible fear or persecution, whatever they whatever they say in order to get past that first screening, they are into the U.S. That's it. Never to have to really deal with the immigration system again. So we were led to believe, oh, it's it's single adult males. They won't be let into the country permanently or let in the country at all. Don't worry, this is fine. No, this was all one big attempt to scam the immigration system by looking for the loopholes, the weak spots. And people say, oh, but it's legal. No, crossing into the U.S., not at a port of entry, is illegal. Deciding that you're going to lie to Border Patrol agents or Immigration and Customs Enforcement about your status or the fear you have Telling some story about, oh, if I go home, I'll be politically persecuted. Why? Why? Based on what? Oh, because that's what the cartels have told me to say. That's scamming the system. And then not showing up for the hearing that a lot of them notice to appear uh, that they're being given in 60 days, not showing up for that. That means you're then illegally in the country. You're no longer legally in the country. And so that is the circumstance. That is the situation in which. We find ourselves right now. That's what is going on. So uh, the the numbers, by the way, that are really going to really going to blow your mind, the ones that you're really going to say, hold on a second, that can't be right, is how many of them. And I'm telling you right now, I'm, I'm talking to you on Thursday morning. The numbers, I think, will be released Friday at about 4 p.m. Eastern time of how many Haitian Illegal immigrants, illegal aliens have been let into the United States in the last week. It's not going to be all of them. There have been some deported, some sent back. Uh, The single adult males can be sent back. But of the family units, I'm going to go out there and tell you that I think about 60 to 60 percent or so will have been let into the U.S. with a notice to appear, maybe more like 70 percent. And that will be the official number. Whether you believe that or not, I leave that to you. I leave that to your discretion. Uh, So that's the situation at the border. That's what we are dealing with right now. Um, And I would also remind everybody that while we're going to get a lot of uh, a lot of talk about this. uh, Well, first off, there's a lot of a lot of lying about it. Uh, they're, They're going to do everything they can to evade the questions that people have. Like, well, hold on a second. What what is the plan here? I mean, here is uh, Secretary Mayorkas talking about the plan. I've been quite clear that we do have a plan to address uh, migration at the southern border. We're executing it. It takes time and we're starting to see the results. I'd be very pleased to meet with you um, and discuss with you some of the tools that we have employed uh, to actually drive the results that we saw this past month and we expect to see in the ongoing months. If he had a plan that he wasn't trying to hide from the American people, if he had a a plan that didn't seem like 
there was a, a massive scam going on here. Wouldn't he be very open about it? Wouldn't he be telling everybody about that plan? In detail, I mean, what are the steps? What's really happening? What's really going on? Don't want to talk about it. Instead, they just refer to it vaguely and then say, oh, I would love to give you the details at a, at a later point. Uh, I mean, Mayorkas is in, a, in an unwinnable position here in the sense that he's defending an administration on policy matters when it comes to the border, specifically. A lot of areas, though, and Biden thinks at 43 percent approval right now, a lot of areas where there is no real defense of this. I mean, you would not be able to find a way, a credible way to say the border is going well, but Mayorkas is trying. And he says things like this. Is the border more secure under your leadership than when you started? Uh, Congressman, the border is secure. We're executing our plan. And I've been very clear and unequivocal in that regard. Mr. Secretary, the question is, is the border more secure now under your leadership? Congressman, it is no less secure than it was previously. Ah, okay. That's not true based on the numbers. I mean, that's just a lie. But words like secure, plan... It gives a lot of leeway. I mean, there are a lot of places you can go with those terms. And that's where I think you you have people like Mayorkas essentially hiding on this. And then you also have others who are just going to lie about this. I mean, openly lie about what's going on down there. I mean, Maxine Waters, member of Congress. Remember the, the, the controversy for 24 hours about they're whipping the Haitian migrants from horseback. It was a lie. Never happened. No one, no one actually saw it happen. No, no witness believed it happened. But there's a photo with a Border Patrol member on horseback with the horse reins in his hands. And they're saying that they're whipping the migrants. That's what they were. That's what the claim was from the media and from the journos. And here you have Maxine Waters, who can always be counted on to say the most inflammatory and idiotic things possible, talking about Border Patrol at this moment. What the hell are we doing here? What we witness takes us back hundreds of years. What we witnessed was worse than what we witnessed in slavery. Cowboys with their reins again, whipping black people, Haitians into the water where they're scrambling and falling down when all they're trying to do is escape from violence in their country. That's not true. None of it's true. I mean, everything she said is actually untrue. So we can start there. It is not the case that they're trying to escape violence in Haiti, for example, because most of them are coming from Brazil or other countries. And if you are a true refugee or asylum seeker, you are supposed to claim asylum in the first country where you are safe, not the country with the best welfare benefits, not the country where the existing population is going to give you the cushiest check in the mail, so to speak, all the time. That's not the way it's supposed to go. And I mean that as a function of U.S. law and as a function for whatever it's worth of international law, though. Is international law really a thing? But anyone who points this out will be told is is being racist, of course. Anyone who talks about this situation is a bad person. If you speak about it honestly... I just want to remind everyone about, you know, the, the concern the Democrats and the left have for Haitian migrants is particularly interesting right now, considering 
that their leader, Joe Biden, now the president of the United States, uh, had this to say back in 1994. A leading editor uh, of, a, of a paper in the Delaware Valley um, wrote, asked their reporters to come down and talk to me and said, why is Biden so concerned about Bosnia? and not about Haiti. Is it because blacks are involved in Haiti? Blacks are what at stake in Haiti and in Bosnia they are Europeans, whites. Um, There is major uh, arsenals of nuclear weapons where they have long histories of national wars where ethnicity dominates. Uh, uh, That is a phenomenal potential consequence of the United States. If Haiti, a god-awful thing to say, if Haiti just quietly sunk into the Caribbean or rose up 300 feet it wouldn't matter a whole but lot in terms of our the interest. W- wouldn't matter, he says. Now, that was Biden then. He'll be forgiven for it now because he is their instrument of power. He is the president and he's the Democrat. So whatever he has said in the past doesn't matter. Oh, even the fact that his son, Hunter, is out there now selling paintings. Selling paintings for up to 500 thousand dollars a pop and you know what the white house is saying about this you know what their claim is oh but he won't know who's buying them so it's fine really how how hard do you think it is for someone to get in touch with you know meth and crack using hunter biden who is you know he's got children out of wedlock and the guy the guy is such a mess we all know we have to get into it how hard do you think it is to to get on the phone with that guy and say hey i'm about to purchase one of your paintings for five hundred thousand dollars but just remember you know remember who your friends are when i need a meeting with your dad and then how hard do you think it is for him to tell his dad hey you know i think you should talk to so-and-so there's no there's no way this is going to be enforced as an ethics uh, as an ethics issue there's no way they're going to have actual transparency on this so they they pretend oh don't worry it won't be officially known think about this it won't be officially known who the buyer of the painting is therefore there's no no undue influence right because it would be hard to get word to hunter about who's actually buying the painting and who's going to buy the next one who's going to buy the next painting well someone gets the phone with hunter biden says hey i love that five hundred thousand dollar painting but you know, I really do need so-and-so to have a sit-down with your dad. What, there's going to be a, an FBI investigation into those phone calls? Please, we all know what a joke that is. These people have no ethics. You have to remember, that they talk about this all day. Oh, Trump, he's so awful. They were freaking out about Trump having an ownership in a hotel. As They, they said it was a violation of the emoluments clause, which all the journos had to look up. They, none of them even knew what the emoluments clause was when they first started this, this theory of the emoluments clause violation. It's pretty straightforward. You can't have a president who's getting, you know, a $10 million house given to him by a foreign government, right? I mean, yeah, you don't want a foreign government to be able to buy off the sitting president of the United States. But they were claiming that because Trump owned a percentage of a hotel in Washington, D.C., and foreign diplomats would go buy a cheeseburger at the restaurant there, that that was, I'm not kidding, that that was a violation of the Emoluments Clause. They did some whole analysis in the Washington Post of, you know, $300,000, they estimated, had been spent by foreign diplomats in the Trump Hotel. To which I'd say, okay, so if the Finnish diplomats spent three grand. And the, you know, the diplomats from Argentina spent five grand. And, you know, how much of this money is even going to Trump? 
Uh, what, what, are the, what is the profit margin? How would you influence the president with that? Oh, hey, excuse me, sir. You need to sign this treaty because our ambassador had a glass of wine at your hotel a week ago. That's not how leverage works. Come on. But these I'm not. By the way, that Washington Post thing, that is completely real. They did a whole analysis of this. It was like 300 grand, also known as less than one Bill Clinton speech. Look at all the influence peddling that was done by Democrats for the Clinton machine. And they pretended like that was all fine. But then all of a sudden they had all these ethics concerns about Trump. And now Hunter Biden, the crackhead, is selling $500,000 paintings to anonymous buyers. And they say, well, because they're anonymous to Hunter as well. Sure they are. No problem here. No ethics issue. I used to point out that Hillary's speeches were just a function, were just a, a, a form of money laundering for influence peddling. I used to say this all the time. And as part of how I would explain this to people, I would say if Bill Clinton became a painter while Hillary was secretary of state and everyone thought she was going to run for president. And all of a sudden, Bill's, you know, well, my speech is worth like five or six hundred thousand dollars. You know, I'm sorry. I mean, my painting, my painting's worth five or six hundred grand. And you could pay that. You know, you're a company that's going to give him a half million dollars for him to show up and, you know, read some speech. No one's going to remember in five minutes. That's a great way to buy influence. Do you think the Democrats cared about that? You think they ever even were willing to see it that way? No, of course. But I, I would use the I use the painting example to prove how easy it would be to launder influence peddling in that way. And now they're actually just doing it. It's like I gave them the idea, which I guess now I feel like I shouldn't have done. But you get what I'm saying. Um, but they'll do everything they can to prop Biden up, including avoiding questions about not only the ethics or lack thereof of his son, but also can this guy even really be considered the head of the United States government? I mean, is, is he of sound mind enough that we could say this guy's actually running the show? Well, there was that moment. It was very embarrassing where the prime minister of the UK, Boris Johnson, was trying to have a conversation, trying to speak to reporters and White House handlers were like, OK, 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 everybody go, 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 OK, you know, yelling over what they were trying to say, which seemed very strange. First of all, very rude to a an important foreign guest in the White House. But beyond that, it seemed like they were just trying to prevent Joe Biden from going, yeah, no joke. It's not a joke, folks. Not a joke. You know, Amtrak Joe. That anyone voted for the people should be honestly should be really ashamed of voting for this this buffoon. But they did. And and they think and, and not even because I disagree with them, just because I mean, would they would they vote for a, a tree stump in the woods? I mean, would they vote for a cabbage patch doll? And I'm just wondering, like, well, what are the limits? And then have the advisors around the cabbage patch doll say, oh, OK, well, we're actually calling the shots. I think they, they Democrats would gladly do that. Here's the explanation, though, when a CBS reporter asked Jen Psaki, about the shouting down of Boris Johnson. What is your understanding of what transpired in the Oval Office yesterday when we were all in there trying to hear from the president and the prime minister? Which aspect? Well, the British prime minister in the American Oval Office called on British reporters, and then when American reporters tried to call on the American president, we were escorted out, let's put it that way. Well, I think... Uh, in that circumstance, and, and I think our relationship with the United Kingdom and with Prime Minister Johnson is so strong and abiding, we will be able to move forward beyond this. But uh, he called on individuals uh, from his press corps uh, without alerting us to that intention in advance. Oh, 
he did not alert us to that intention in advance. So the White House employees couldn't figure out, hey, maybe we shouldn't shout down the British prime minister. It wasn't about him. Biden started to speak and they're like, "Okay, okay, let's go. Let's go. Let's go. They wanted to shut it down right away because they know they got a big problem with the border debacle and Joe saying anything on the border. Can you imagine, you know, saying anything on the border situation is just a huge risk, enormously risky. And yeah, that is the situation. That is the circumstance that played out there. So we can all see, we can all understand what happened there. Um, Oh, I mentioned this at the top and I want to get to the January 6th surveillance. Uh, So there's tons of surveillance footage from the January 6th insurrection that for some reason, the federal government doesn't want everyone to see, which seems so strange. I mean, if it's If you have men in balaclavas with AK-47s trying to overthrow the United States government, we should all see that. I mean, that's horrifying, right? We should all. Oh, but that didn't happen at all. No, in fact, what you see in the footage, because we've all seen the footage of cops, you know, fighting. And we had the cops crying on Capitol Hill from Capitol Police who said that, you know, they were worried they were going to die. None of them did die. And none of them actually had anyone open fire on them. There was no lethal force used against any of those law enforcement officers. Now, anybody who used force, period, against those cops should be held accountable for assault on a police officer because we actually believe in the rule of law as conservatives. But we also believe in commensurate punishment. We believe in the actual laws being enforced for what was done, not this make-believe, it was an insurrection nonsense that we're all all being forced to sit through and go through. Ah, But... I digress. Now, the situation unfolding before us is that they don't want people to see the actual footage. Right? Why not? Well, it's because when you look at it, and I I have to describe it for you because obviously this is audio only, you've got a lot of people who have entered the Capitol who are trespassing. They should not be there in the capacity they're there, and they are interrupting a government, uh, government proceeding. Fine. Not supposed to do that. Democrats do it all the time. Democrats will shut down the state house in Wisconsin and they'll, you know, they'll block hallways and and and, you know, shout at people and mob senators during the uh, Kavanaugh hearing. I mean, you know, Democrats can block whatever proceedings they want. And that's all fine. They can riot for BLM all, all summer, try to burn down a federal courthouse, burn down a police precinct. I mean, they can do whatever they want, of course. But the people walking around in the in the, uh, in the Capitol, you say they're just kind of walking. They're taking selfies. They're just walking around looking at stuff. This is the insurrection. This was going to overthrow the United States government. I mean, I still sit here and say, you know, what exactly was supposed to be the plan here? They were going to selfie the Capitol Police and the FBI and the United States military and all the other federal law enforcement agencies into submission. No, to call it an insurrection is a lie. Anyone who calls it an insurrection is an idiot. It's not true. We know it's not true. And the more footage of it you see, the harder it is for them to prop up that lie. That's why they're trying to hide it from you. It was a riot. Some people did a dumb thing and should not have done the dumb thing they did. People that assaulted cops should be prosecuted for, you know, the serious uh, assault on police. I want to know how many people that assaulted police in the BLM riots have been prosecuted, though. With, With the same seriousness. I'm just wondering. I'm sure there are some, but they're definitely not running around trying to make examples of people. 
That's for sure. So, yeah, it's a remarkable cir- uh, circumstance right now to see how they're trying to hide this. They're trying to uh, change the game. Oh, and since we're talking about BLM riots, a uh, 30% increase in homicides in 2020 <clears throat> nationwide. The biggest in 70 years of keeping those. Wait, no, I'm sorry. In 50 years. Wait, since 1960. So 20 plus 40, 60 years. Thank you. Uh, 60 years of keeping those statistics. So that's pretty bad. That's pretty bad. Why did it happen? Well, it happened because they decided that police were the enemy and the anti-police elements in this country were ascendant. And there was a sense of impunity for the worst criminals in our society to do what they do. And there was less law enforcement on the streets. Cops were less aggressive. The Ferguson effect came into play and a lot more people, thousands more people died. That is what BLM did. It did not create massive police reform. It did not make people safer. It did not end racism. No, none of that. It was just the mob all over this country marauding on the streets, destroying people's private property, attacking law enforcement officers, attacking strangers, civilians at some points. And for what? For what? Because of one incident with one cop in Minneapolis, that cop now uh, convicted of murder and likely to spend the next you know, few decades in prison. But so then the rest of the country had to go through, during a pandemic, no less, a summer of terror out in the streets here in new york the purge night all of it well now we see the results and by the way this is also the this year is also up in homicides although it's not up 30 percent but it's also a bad year for all of that so this is something we'll continue to focus on thank you so much for being here with me on the buck sexton show podcast uh i will be back with you all tomorrow shields high